You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Footy, it's good to have you with us. I'm Poppy Miller here with Nico Cantor, uh, Michael Lahoud, and Jordan Angeli. We were just talking about Nico's uh, mate. Didn't even know we were live there. I was having another lesson on it. He doesn't put honey in it, in case you were wondering, everybody. No. Uh, good morning. How are we all feeling? Good morning. morning. This is a big day because the Women's World Cup kicked off this morning. We're feeling good. Yeah. A little, we're getting used to the early mornings. I know, Nico, you said, Jordan, you getting ready for your circadian rhythm to change and... To change, to be was... absolutely destroyed. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just hoping, like, it'll work for me for the next few weeks. We, we only need four weeks, right, of being up at 3 a.m. maybe sometimes is, is there, before. Is there an earlier kickoff than 3? I do think there, <sighs> there is a 1.30 sometime. Okay. Wait, Whoa. no, no, there's, sorry, sometimes there's 3 and then a 6 and then a, a later one, so... The time just it's throws gonna be everybody rough. off. Because what is it, about 8.30 at night in Australia right now? Mm. Yeah. Is that about right? So. Yeah, a Nico, little bit later. Nico, you were talking about, and I, I loved that you alluded to your tweet. That got me going. I almost replied six or seven times, but I knew <laughs> that any sort of reply was not going to match the time you were going to wake up. Tell our viewers, what time did you wake up this morning? So, for the it, first re- compared to what we wake up for this show, yeah. it really wasn't that much worse. And especially to watch the World Cup, I mean, the opening it, I, I, well. it, I didn't even struggle. My alarm went off at 2.50, sat in front of the TV, mm. and enjoyed some soccer. It yeah. wasn't bad, and it was super exciting because New Zealand was... Awesome! Wow, it was so the nice. The first World Cup win ever for New Zealand, for the women and for the men. And, and what a way to do it, Jordan, as a host nation as well, against Norway, who had high expectations coming into the competition. There was only one goal in it, Hannah Wilkinson. Yeah, especially with Hegerberg back for Norway. I think there's so many expectations for Norway to come in, have a good first game. But I think they were a little shocked by the way that New Zealand came out and really played. They they were on the front foot. They high-pressed them. And it was right off the heels of halftime, which has such a sensitive time in the game, to get a goal. Hannah Wilkinson, the Tennessee volunteer, played a couple of years in the SEC Scores her 29th international goal, but the one that she will always remember because it was such a huge moment, not just for her, but for her country. You could feel after the game, the scenes that were there, Mm. just the pride of the nation to see that in person. The biggest crowd ever in New Zealand, not just for women's football, for football. So, ugh. 
and for Ali Riley as well, obviously for those that follow her in the NWSL with Angel City, she had a really emotional post-game uh, interview as well, just yeah. to see what it means to these I players. I mean, I thought, uh, all emotions aside, New Zealand played mm. really mm -hmm. well. Yeah. Um, the way that they managed the ball, the way that they were patient against a team that you would have thought, all right, Norway's a favorite. Norway's going to dictate. And in the first 45 minutes, we got hints of what they can really do. They needed to be a little bit more polished yeah. inside of the box. They would get deep. They would manage the ball. And then when they weren't finding those openings, they would go long to Wilkinson. And Wilkinson was that reference point that held the Norwegian center backs set in that back line. So then the New Zealand runners started yeah. coming in and the fullbacks for Norway had to really adjust. And then, and then in the second half, it was, that goal was mm. magic. It was, I, I, it I thought, was so beautiful. The yeah. goal was so nice. But I, I thought for Norway, it was kind of lethargic. I thought yeah. getting their main striker back in the fold, it was okay. We're going to get that first yeah. goal. And you see it a lot of times in World Cup competition and international competitions where you get your prolific players, you go up against a host nation or a team that you're not taking as seriously as you should. Mm -hmm. In World Cup competition, host nations, typically, they feed off the crowd energy. This New Zealand side, I was impressed with their wide play. The goal comes off of good running on the flanks down wide. I think it was Jackie Hand who makes a really well-looped run. Yeah. And then she picks her head up. When you look at the replay of the goal, she takes an extra touch to get into the box and then draws the goalkeeper out. And then that creates a space for Wilkinson to make the run early service now. Slots it in, and then a polished finish. If they keep doing that, they'll keep making headlines. Well, the hand gets the assist, but Paige Riley has had such good movement as a winger. When she'd tuck into the pocket, it was the exact right time, and so the, she could create the, the overlap oh, in, in the past. I really was impressed with her performance today, and I, I felt like for Norway, if they're going to have a better performance, they need Engen, their six, to play a better game. She just yeah. gave the ball away a little too reckless, recklessly, and I, I feel like there was some disjointed with this Norwegian team. I think you get Hegerberg back and you're thinking, oh, we can play it up to her. She can handle it. But she was double teamed most of the time. And what about mm. Blockstad playing in a position where I, I thought Guru Reiten was going to play? Getting, you know, doing all the prep for the World Cup. I thought the three up top was going to be Graham Hansen, Hegerberg, and, and Guru Reiten. But Guru Reiten was a little bit retracted today. And I, I don't think it played well for, for Norway. Blackstad wasn't that impactful yeah. in the game at all. It was a bit an off day, wasn't it? But even just the names that you're listing off, we expect a lot more from Norway. I think that was their yeah. first World Cup opening loss since 1991. Uh, so now a quick turnaround needed, but a lot to be said about the host nations and what they can do in this opening match. Let's not forget Australia, also a host nation. It's halftime in their match against Ireland. The biggest news, though, coming into this game, Sam Kerr, their superstar player, out with an injury, Jordan. Here's what she put. Unfortunately, I sustained a calf injury yesterday in training. I wanted to share this with everyone so there's no distraction from us coming to do what we achieved. Of course, I would have loved to have been out there tonight, but I can't wait to be a part of this amazing journey, which starts now. This is heartbreaking, I mm. think, especially for Australia fans, but for football fans that just love to watch Sam Kerr play because she is absolutely electrifying. Reports are saying that it's only going to be two matches that she's out for, but honestly, who knows? Yeah, and with a calf injury, what a sensitive 
of place of your body, especially with a player who's so speedy like her and, and uses her acceleration at key moments in order to score goals. She, she was on such a good run, 30 goals this year in all competitions for Chelsea. This is She has 63 goals for Australia. She's their target player. She can do anything. And the way that her and Caitlin Ford played with each other over the last few games – you're starting to see this connection where now they're this a little bit of a double-headed monster up there. If Kerr comes in, mm. Ford can go and beyond. So how does Caitlin Ford manage without a Sam Kerr on the field? It's We're, we're seeing that. It's nil-nil at halftime. I don't know if it would have been nil-nil, Nico, at halftime mm. if Sam Kerr is in this game. So calf injury for just two games. So the next game is Thursday, right? Mm-hmm. I think. This, so hold up. You think Which is a Australia? Week right, it's a week. It's a week. It's a week, but, but just a muscular calf. injury. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying it, that's it longer like than week. normal in a World Cup. Yeah, no. in a group mm-hmm. stage, it usually is longer than normal. Yeah. Um, and then the next game after that is the following Monday. Do you risk not playing with Sam Kerr in the group? You think Australia can get out of this group no. with I suppose Nigeria and Canada? You've got to see no. if they I, can mm. rack up some results early. I don't, because I, I chose that. Nigeria as my dark horse. Because I think Nigeria mm. has the goal-scoring capability to get after this group. And so I don't know if Australia can get through it. Uh, they have other goal scorers that they can. I, I mentioned Caitlin Ford. Kaya Simon has been a longtime member of this Matilda's squad um, as a goal-scoring uh, prowess to her name but it's Sam Kerr right it's like mm-hmm. if you know if Messi isn't with Argentina it's just a totally different team and how are they going to adapt I think Tony Gustafsson is a great coach and he's going to be able to pick the right players in order for them to get get the best team on the field but this is a tough Ireland team that they're facing off right now nil nil how, how is it going to go about these rest of the games I don't know they I feel my, like you're going to have to try to push it. To win the whole thing, mm. Australia. But I wow. completely agree with you. I think this has changed everything. They've never even got past the quarterfinals of a World Cup tournament. I really thought it was going to be different this year. But mm-hmm. I feel you can't even describe how big of a loss Michael she is to this team. Do you see them getting out the group stage? I think it depends on when she gets healthy and her arrival and her impact on the attack. When you're a team that's so dependent on one player, and I've been there as a player having a muscular injury before a big game, muscle injuries, there's some things that you just don't want to aggravate because if that gets going, she's not the same sort of impactful player that you're hoping for in the group. But I, I would I would put more money on Australia and see, okay, if it comes down to the next game, I could see this game going maybe 1-0 between them and Ireland or 0-0. It's not the worst result of all, but I would yeah. really put more focus I, I, on getting the, her help. The rest of the group needs to help the Sam yes. Kerr situation. Yeah. And you take it game by game. Okay, the first two games against Ireland, Nigeria, scrap for Sam mm-hmm. Kerr. And then going into that Canada game, hopefully Australia's in a position where they don't have to risk Sam mm-hmm. Kerr. I think mm-hmm. that would be ideal. ideal. But I think the mentality plays a big factor as well. Oh, you know, this you're is going not what we want to talk about. Player. Um, that's really disappointing for Australia. Let's see how they do in the second half. Like we mentioned, uh, it is half time. The second half is just getting underway. New Zealand with a big win. And then later on, Group B between Nigeria and Canada at 10.30 Eastern. Stay with us though. Ali joins us next with the day's headlines. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. 
Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Ali, you've got the headlines of the day for us. I do. Unfortunately for our headlines today, we've got to start with some devastating news coming out of the World Cup. Just hours before it started, three people were killed, including the shooter, and several injured in a shooting in the New Zealand capital of Auckland. Several federations quickly put out statements following the event to inform that all players and staff were safe. New Zealand Prime Minister spoke to reporters and said that the tournament would proceed as planned. And, of course, the World Cup is underway, and the reigning women's Ballon d'Or winner is ready for her team's tournament opener. According to Spain coach Jorge Vilda, Alexia Puteas is fit to play in Spain's World Cup opener against Costa Rica on Friday. Puteas has yet to play 90 minutes since returning from the torn ACL that she suffered a year ago and was held out of Spain's final World Cup prep match against Vietnam. And in some MLS news, Inter-Miami head coach Tata Martino confirmed that both Lionel Messi and Sergio Busquets are fit, and it is likely that they will play in tomorrow night's League's Cup matchup against Cruz Azul. However, Martino left it in question if either Messi or Busquets will start the match or come on in the second half. And another interesting development here was the inclusion of Jordi Alba to Inter-Miami's League's Cup roster, despite Alba not having been officially signed by the club yet. And just days after Cristiano Ronaldo said that the Saudi Pro League will only keep growing, the big spending league is finalizing two more high-profile signings. According to multiple reports, Liverpool and Al Etifak have agreed to a deal worth $15 million for captain Jordan Henderson. He'll play for another former Liverpool captain in Steven Gerrard, who recently became the club's manager. And meanwhile... Riyad Mahrez is reportedly closing in on a $39 million transfer from Man City to Al Ali. And in other transfer news involving the Premier League champions, Man City is closing in on its top transfer target of the summer. According to multiple reports, City is finalizing a $116 million transfer for Croatian center back Jasko Vardiol, the 21-year-old RB Leipzig standout, starred for Croatia at last year's World Cup and is widely regarded as one of the best young defenders in the world, giving Pep Guardiola's back line a major boost. Michael, the rich just getting richer, bolstering that defense. Are they the favorites to win it all again next season? Absolutely. <laughs> you look at their attack and you go back to what made them really successful last season in the UEFA Champions League. Yes, you have Kevin De Bruyne, Erling Holland doing the business up front, but they shored up their back lines. And I really think the play of Ruben Dias made a big difference. And Manchester City, there was not much else they could have done to improve their back line. There's rumors that most likely Laporte could be leaving. He's been there. He's been a stalwart. And if you're going to lose a player the likes of Laporte, you just upgraded immensely with the best young center back in the world right now in Vardiol. I watched him play for RB Leipzig in the German Bundesliga. Some of the best performances I've seen him play. And you see the confidence that the FIFA World Cup can give you bringing that to club play. Set piece threat. But when you see him play out of the back, he looks like a defensive midfielder. Yeah. So composed on the ball, can break lines. He's definitely in the Pep Guardiola yeah. DNA for his center back. Laporte this season was almost missing in action, right, for Manchester City. And obviously they, they want to move on from that. And what Yoshko Guardiol can bring to the table and what Guardiola can get out of Guardiol is 
it's immeasurable. The potential to grow even further is incredible. And I, I think his season, although it was great with RB Leipzig, it was a bit tainted with a couple of sloppy moments against Manchester City in the Champions League. So a little bit mm. of redemption for him in Europe, but I have no doubt that... Manchester City is going to help him grow and flourish. And, and he's been, from a very young age, especially after his World Cup performance, been given that best young centre-back in the world tag. And you have to live up to that. And if there's a place where I have confidence in the development of players, the way that Guardiola develops players, it's Manchester City, and I think he's, he's going to flourish. So, mm. Nico, do you think this is the best centre-back signing that Pep's ever had underneath him? Do you think it has the potential to be that? The way you're uh, talking mm. about him, it well, sounds like... Ruben Gies has been next to none. Yeah. I th he, he's been a revolutionary centre-back. Him and John Stones, the way that he yeah. has morphed yeah. John Stones into a modern the back lines back the it's, I will say, well, yeah. I will say this. I think the potential is there because of what he brings both to the Croatian national team internationally. This guy's 21 years old <laughs> and he's playing like a grown yeah. adult. He's playing like a seasoned veteran. The potential's there, yeah. but the price tag, we've seen it in the Premier League before. When you come in with a lot of expectation, the weight of expectation, paying for Pep Guardiola, playing for Manchester City, Unless they just won the treble. <laughs> it's the, the biggest, quadruple's the only thing left. It's the biggest price tag, and I mean, obviously not only for Croatian, but for a defender as well, ever. So, it, this is the thing with the price tags that I feel is a little bit unfair. Manchester City has big bucks, and anybody who receives a purchase from Manchester City obviously knows that that price tag is going to be inflated. Do you think he's worth so this yeah, price tag, bit. though? Yes. If it's Manchester City, yes, because if you have all that potential, Manchester City is going to pay the highest bidder. Why? Because they can. But I think it's unfair to immediately compare him to his price tag, just like Jack Grealish. I don't know if Jack Grealish is an 100 million pound player, especially in that first season. People were, because of the price but tag, would you say people he is were now? unfairly He's comparing him. He's a 100 million player But he has now? grown into mm -hmm. somebody who is priceless for mm -hmm. Manchester City. Mm -hmm. So the thing is with these state-run clubs that can pay stupid amount of money from one moment to the next. They don't even need to go to a bank or to go here, hey, you want to help me out with this other? No. It's they the just Premier League tax, and especially Fuck. if it's Manchester so, City. And they, and they, so it's unfair to, to just immediately compare them to the price and say, will he live up to the price? Mm. Because when it comes to money, if it's Milan, yes. If it's Milan, yes. If it's Manchester United, sure. I mean, but like, when there's clubs that are struggling for money and there's price tags and say, oh my gosh, we spent this much money for this player. I think sure, there was a stat in the Champions City, League like, final that was uh, Manchester that? City's bench was worth more than Inter's <laughs> entire squad, which just really puts into perspective mm -hmm. the difference. I will, yeah. I will say this, Poppy, when we talk teams. about the luxury tax that's attributed to a lot of English players, I still don't think Jack Grealish is a hundred million pound player just yet. He's gotten better, but Guardiola, I think he is worth the price of admission, and we will see. As always, yes, you get the transfer fee, but this guy is legit. He's proven it on both club and international level. He will have to take that next step. Mm -hmm. And Pep Guardiola's team, they're also aging. They have a lot of experienced core. Now he's building for the future with this signing. And he's coming into an experienced back line, isn't he? John Stones. Kyle Walker obviously leaving. There's holes to fill with the team it's uh, too. Okay. Pep doesn't miss.
He doesn't, unless it's in the Champions League in years prior. But he's finally won that. So let's see if he can do it again uh, this season. An update for you. Australia have scored in the second half. It was a penalty from Stephanie Catley. Uh, so they are leading. We'll keep you up to date with that game as it goes on. Stay with us, though. We're going to talk all about last night's game in Washington, D.C. between the All-Stars and Arsenal. It wasn't a good night for the All-Stars. We'll show you the goals after this. Welcome back to Morning Footy. Well, last night, the 27th All-Star Game took place in D.C. between the MLS All-Stars and Arsenal, who may only still be in pre-season, but they started off the new campaign with a bang. 5-0, the final score. Gabby Jesus scored an early goal, and it felt like they never looked back uh, since then. It was a very good outing, an impressive one, wasn't it, for Arsenal? Were you surprised it was as dominant as it was, Michael? I was very surprised. You have to remember, Arsenal, this is their second preseason match. They've been in camp for not that long now, and it shows the golf in class and really the golf in the setup of an All-Star game. You and I were talking about it, of it's what you risk in an All-Star event when you go for the entertainment factor, the feel-good factor, training at the National Mall. But when the whistle blows and you step over those lines, you have to come ready to play. And Arsenal, I mean, starts, look at some of these goals. Worldies, Gabriel Jesus, Trussard, they really came to play. Yeah, well, it also shows you the difference of a team, a team versus a group of players who's playing. I mean, that, that's really what this is. And it's not a surprise to me that Arsenal just took this away. I think if it, it's against this squad from MLS who plays together week in and week out, well, maybe then it's a little bit of a different story. But you're watching Arsenal also, play. Like Cincinnati, who's the best team in MLS, mm. do you think they would have actually given Arsenal at no. this point in the season? But I'm saying the, the All-Stars, the best in MLS. That's what this is supposed to be. But this team has never trained together. They don't understand relationships. They have no cohesion because you're just throwing them out there, changing every 20 minutes and saying, do your best. And I just think that that setup is not going to make MLS look very good. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm over bringing in European competition mm. to play the MLS All-Stars. Why? Isn't because it the entertainment there's, factor there's that everyone two, loves? There's two different perspectives going into this game from the two different teams. We alluded to it yesterday. MLS, it's all show. It's all fun and games. Yes. It's to give people minutes to just show off the talent in MLS, which, frankly, you couldn't see that much. To be honest, guys, yeah. I fell asleep after 2-0 because I was more interested in, in the Women's <laughs> World Cup. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, so I went to sleep, but I saw the first two goals and immediately you can tell that there's, they're on two different paths right now. Do you now. I think a little bit, yeah, because look, I, Arsenal, are, well, they were one of the best teams in the world last year and they're going into preseason trying to get their, their system into motion again and trying to get things up and running and, and they're taking a preseason game much more seriously than MLS is taking this really fun game and in Major League Soccer today, that, there's Nico. enough yeah. talent for it to be East yeah. versus West done. I, that's it. To so make I agree with that. And then they get to play 60 minutes. I agree with the All-Star setup, but that question you just asked, I don't think it damages MLS's reputation. Maybe I'm an MLS apologist. They just lost 5-0 to Arsenal, Michael. But look at, so you have your best players in your starting 11 playing 30 minutes. Yeah. 30 so then, minutes, and then yeah. you make a line change, and then you bring 30 more minutes. You have an Arsenal team that they have uh -huh. a Premier League title set on their sites. They have new signings. They have, a, And you said it with the mission. 
They're a team that looked on mission. This, this MLS All-Star team, they're playing for an event. It's an appearance. So let me but ask you this. Would it be better for MLS, do you think, if they just did the skills challenge, if they took the game part away from it, so then it's not this almost embarrassment? No, no, no. no, no. Arsenal to partake in the skills challenge. I understand why you want to bring yeah. European teams in, because from a marketing. Because you get fans to go to the game with Arsenal jerseys, you sell How more tickets, and blah, there, blah, yeah. blah. But you, you bring them to the skills challenge. Maybe you do the skills challenge before, and you do it on a weekend, not on a Wednesday or a Tuesday. <laughs> and then... And then the main event. Did you want to go? Or? Is <laughs> the Amtrak and then, and then, and then the main event is your talent. Maybe not even 11s aside. I love it that in the NBA, certain times in the game, they're throwing alley oops and yeah. they're dunking and it's mm. show. Well, that's what East First West uh, kind of turns into. Right, because they know it's not that and serious, and it's the, they're I, on the same I page. I think this where they, they should were not go. on the same page. I just, who stood out to you from MLS All-Star? And I think that's where the difference is. If if you think this is going to help MLS, you have to have a, a number of players who you say, oh, they had a really good game. And that they showed up against Arsenal. I I don't know who I could point Honey out. Mokhtar. I thought Hani Mukhtar, yes, you say he showed up and balled out. He at least held his own running past defenders, at least yeah, trying to but conduct. Michael, look at some all-star game. Look at what the I, NBA, you talk about when somebody stands play. out in the NBA, they're dunking, they're doing crazy tricks, and that stands so, out. That's you, an all-star. Nico, did you Holding watch? your own against Arsenal, it's like, what? Oh, our best guy can hold his own? Like, the guy that's scoring goals and assists like crazy every single game is holding his own against Arsenal. Arsenal, like, and now there's all these countries watching ourselves to that. Think I all think. the countries watching, and they're like, oh well, MLS just got beat five to nothing. Exactly. So, isn't that bad for their image? In the, I don't know. I, I, think, I think ultimately, you're you're I would, I would ultimately, it. I went to the All Star game last year, and what I really enjoyed watching was, and you see what's happening with the League's Cup, the MLS and League MX. There's that merger of, okay. But the, it was both all-star teams. Yes, I would do that. I think that is the focal point of what needs to happen. But it's not going to attract the same fans. Happen. If you do yeah, the East but, against but West, But then invite a European be... team that's in town, invite them to a skills challenge. Maybe just not Arsenal. <laughs> yeah, just, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think you get a European team. MLS, they don't have a great record against European teams in the last couple of years. I think, what, they have one goal since 2018? MLS All-Stars? Yeah. Yeah, but it's a team that doesn't it's, exist. Yeah, it's, you it's don't know. Like like just you can watch together. Arsenal, they and they knew everything that was happening next mm. for their team. Ivis, who's a fantastic researcher, just brought up a great idea in my ear. said, why don't we do an All-Star game between the MLS All-Stars and the Saudi All-Stars, and then we can really sign me up for that. How yes. about that? That got me excited. Well, Let's next just listen year. <laughs> to what Wayne Rooney had to say after the match because he wasn't very happy. Um, yeah, I thought it was obviously the result is, is what it is, and Arsenal showed the, the quality um, which they have. Um, I thought the, the lads, the All Star lads, um, a little bit nervous and hesitant, um, especially first half when we got into some good areas and. Um, to get the shots off, and uh, I think you see a difference. Of course, you do. Um, Arsenal, one of the best teams in Europe, and um, it was a bit stop-start. Thought the referee um, made the game a little bit about himself um, once again. So I think that's something which needs improving in the MLS. I've said it all season, so um, it's a good opportunity for me to to bring it up again. Um, but yeah, um, it was a disappointing <laughs> result, um, but. I think most importantly, it's a, a good event for the fans, and um, especially the fans in DC, to to come and see some some really good players um, from the Premier League. The league, I know the league has been working extremely hard um, to try and 
bring that that gap closer and um, and and bring you know better players in or younger players more towards the peak into the league, which I think they're they're doing they're doing well. Um, but we're talking about one of the best teams in Europe in in I believe in Arsenal where you know this could happen to to any team. So it's very difficult um, when you're playing against a team like Arsenal. Um, in terms of closing the gap, I think that has been happening um, over the years and um, I'm sure that will continue to happen and get, and, and get closer. Wayne, um, what did you take out of this game personally as a, as a coach? And you're honing your craft as a, as a young coach. What did you take out of it? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, it's, it, listen, it's difficult. As I said, it's, um, on Monday, the, the, the players... All arrived and literally done a small side of the game um, on Tuesday. As I suggested, I didn't want them training at the National Mall, but that's where we trained and um, we can't do anything. So all we, we were limited to do head tennis, so literally had no time to do any tactics whatsoever. So you put the players out there and hope that they can figure things out. Um, and against a team like Arsenal, that's very difficult to do. Oh, very Wayne Rooney there. What did you take <laughs> out of it? Absolutely nothing. I think... The, the question for me is, what's the goal for MLS? Is it to showcase some of these young yeah, players and the up-and-rising players, fun. or is it the entertainment factor? Because the entertainment factor is there. Let's be honest, they're putting IFBs in players, they're having fun, right. there's so much hype around the games. But if it's to showcase players, that's far from... And, 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 and Wayne Rooney, it's, I just think it's a, a little bit unfair, Wayne Rooney, because the one day that English people care about MLS, or a lot of English, I don't, don't want to generalize it, but they, they look, this is the window into Major League Soccer, and people are drawing conclusions from the 5-0 result, and they say, oh, look at, look where, look at where Wayne Rooney is managing. I, I think it, it, it touches his pride a little bit, because this isn't a representation of of Major League Soccer and the strides that Major League Soccer has has taken. And you know what? They need to make it fun. <clears throat> Look at what the Kings League has done. Streaming, the the, the, the league where Kuna I don't know if you guys have seen it yeah. on Twitch. There's, Kuna Huera is the owner of a team. Ibaianos was a major streamer in Spain. They're doing smaller sides, like 8v8, and they're making it fun, like for an all-star game, like wild cards. Like suddenly a player has to play with a man down, yeah. and they have to take somebody off mm -hmm. the pitch. Then a certain goal is worth more. Like the TST, so, yeah. a little bit. Yeah, so if you... If you, you can make it entertaining and make it fun and make it different. And I'm just to wake up and see five zero. Yeah. Oh, here we go again with all the memes and oh, look at where MLS is. And like, yeah, you sell tickets. Next year, it's going to be <clears throat> sold out. Messi is going to be there. Yeah. You're going to sell it out. Doesn't matter if you bring you can't get in a ticket already. Real Madrid. Doesn't matter if you bring in Derby County. It's going to be sold out because Messi's going to be playing. So I think they should take advantage of that. I think. Look, in America, in American sports, your All-Star games. It's not just about showcasing talent. It is an entertainment factor. In the NBA and other different All-Star games, it is the highest level for sports. For MLS, it is a growing league, and they are still there to entertain. That's why you have the skills challenge. And, gosh, Arsenal definitely entertained. Yeah. MLS didn't. But how is that entertaining when they get one shot on goal yeah. at the end of the game? That's where I think it does need – if you want to make it entertainment and bring one of these big teams in, you can't bring a team in who's prepping for their season to start when another team isn't even a team at all. Like, it just doesn't make sense. MLS All-Stars is not a team. I, it doesn't help to, uh, yeah, you know, Arsenal entertained. The MLS got embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
That's from if, but if from I'm the league standpoint. From, from the, the league, league standpoint, you're growing. You want to just you increase grow? your relevancy. All the kits were Arsenal. Why? The... Arsenal showed up and put on a show for the league standpoint. We, we, for worse, what, that how does that increase the relevance of? of MLS because Arsenal played. Do we need Arsenal to it gets bring people up talking. The... At the end of the day, it gets people talking. You go to Twitter, it gets people talking in, about Major League Soccer. But in the right in or Major wrong League way, Soccer, though, it's gonna, what, it's gonna, people cost, are going to be talking. It's probably the question. Well, uh, Susanna and Charlie were in D.C. at the game last night. They spoke to Aaron Ramsdale after the match. You can see that full interview on box to box later on today. But stay with us. We've got a bunch more coming up for you. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back. Well, what a week it's been for Inter Miami, who unveiled Leo Messi as their new player uh, back on Sunday in Miami. All the stars were out. And yesterday, owner Jorge Mas spoke in D.C. at MLS All-Star Week. Aspirationally, we have really three things to play for. Um, we're currently going to start Leagues Cup tomorrow, and that's a separate tournament. You know, we have a lot of new players coming in um, that are in already and are going to be coming in over the, over the course of this window, over the next few weeks. So it'll be an evolution. Um, we have the U.S. Open Cup semifinals, so we're one game away from a final game at the end of September. And look, you know, we're in the chase for the playoffs, you know. Got to make the ninth spot to get an all-in play, play game, the eighth spot. It's mathematically possible. We got to, you know, we got to win a majority, if not a significant majority of our games going in. We'll see how the team meshes. You know, Tata's aspiration as well as all of the players on our squad want to get into the playoffs. Um, you know, we've, you know, we've, you know, we've, and as, and as I've, I've alluded to this week, you know, going into this season, you know, we've been handicapped by two things. Number one, we left roster room and roster space to make all of these moves we're doing in this window. Um, secondly, you know, we've had, we had significant injuries to our important players. The flip side of that is we've had our homegrown talent have to be, you know, baptism under fire. I think that'll pay off medium and long term. But, you know, our aspirations is, you know, we do want to make a playoff spot. Um, we've got two cups to play for. And now it's up to the players on the pitch and Tata to make it make it happen. But, you know, um, these things take time. There's no, no miracles either. It's but but we'll see how it goes. And listen, all I can ask my team to do is to compete hard. I, I do think that evolution is inevitable. I think change is likely in the areas that we, I think, all as owners um, look at. Look, and the criteria is follows. We all want this to be an elite league. We all want it to grow. But what are important are the metrics around return on investment, right? If we're going to invest more dollars and, and player investments, be it how they are, you know, obviously it comes with a commensurate investment and both. And I think that, look, what, what we've done, you know, with Messi and Sergio Busquets and, and others are coming, you know, without frankly knowing, knowing the return. And, you know, I do anticipate that this for ourselves at Inter-Miami, for the league, is something that is um, you're going to increase the revenue opportunities that we all have. And I think it's commensurate. I think as the league revenues continue to grow, you are going to see more investment in, in players. Um, so I think we're on the right path. A lot of work to do, but I'm very confident that the outcome of the work over the next, you know, six to nine months are, is going to be very positive for our league. Can I uh, ask if you had a conversation with uh, Lionel after the unveiling and what his reaction was to his reception in Miami? Yes, I did. Um, he is very happy. I think that the way that his family has been received, and not only by my family or the Beckham family or the club itself, the way he's been received for South Florida, in South Florida, 
has been, I think, um, amazing to them. I think that, you know, listen, there's uncertainty, new country, new language, your kids are coming in here, but I think they're extremely happy with the reception they've received. I think Sunday night they saw a little bit of what they're going to experience here in terms of the enthusiasm around him. I think the fact that there are so many, there's a large Argentinian community in South Florida that is embracing him. You know, there's hundreds of people outside our training center all day. Um, so I think that enthusiasm has motivated him. I think he's very happy. You know, Tata Martino tells me that, you know, he's been amazing um, with his new teammates, his attitude on the pitch. What I can say is this first day that he was in the facility, he was the first one there with Benjamin Kramashi. Got there seven in the morning. Um, and I think that's a mark of a leader and someone that's hungry. And, um, you know, day two, few guys got there with him a little bit before him, um, but he's setting a tone, and I think that's important. And I think, and I'll share something personal, the fact that Lionel Messi lives 10 minutes away from the training center is a testament to his work ethic. That's so good to hear, isn't it? Just what a leader Messi is being already. Because you hear about the superstars, mm. it's nice to hear the behind the scenes, because we hear it about Ronaldo as well, with all the criticism that he gets, all of his teammates say he is one of the hardest working players uh, yeah. on that team. One thing that he did mention in that conversation, though, was about Major League Soccer needing to update their roster rules. What do you think about that, Michael? Do you think that that's something that does need to happen? I think so. And I think a club like Inter Miami, you look at the influx of stars that are now looking at Major League Soccer because of a player like Lionel Messi, the current roster rules of three DPs per team. I think that is something I'm looking at, as well as possible increase on GAM, which is a good way to supplement some of your DP stars with other players. Like, they all have friends. Yeah. <laughs> so other players who may not be put in that DP category can now come to really make this more of a global presence. And look at how league. ambitious Inter-Miami is. I feel like they're, they're just like, okay, let me go, let me go, telling the league that, that, that they want more, they want more, and it's like they're constantly being held back. I don't know if every single MLS team will be like that. I know there are some that are definitely willing to go that extra mile and to really make this into, take it to the next level, right? Yeah. Because you look at the Tigres of the world in Mexico, you look at Monterrey, you look at America, spend, spend, oh, spend, yeah. go over Latin America, get top talent and reinforce these squads and make them a menace in the region. And you look at MLS and although they play soccer really well, Talent-wise, I don't know if they're as big as menaces as your Americas of the world, Monterrey and Tigres, etc. So I just, I just hope one day we do get there where you, you don't have to dance around yeah. and make this That's jigsaw is, puzzle huh? to sign Jordi Alba Busquets, yeah. Messi, and perhaps Suarez. And I get why they put the DP role in to try to make it even as possible across the league that was still growing. And I think it is still growing and it'll continue to do that over really these next few years, hopefully going into 26 and beyond. But I think that there's going to be a point where you're going to have to get rid of that and people are going to have to invest more money and there's going to be an influx of money in this league. And you can't limit teams who want to spend a lot just because other teams aren't going to spend. I don't think that that is um, how the future of this league is going to look. So I, I think there has to be how, an evolution yeah. to how these rules. How quickly do you think that evolution will come, though? I think it, it comes in the next couple of years. Yeah, it I think has in a, to, a team I like Inter Miami. Before the World Cup, you think? Yes, I think before the World Cup. Messi it's going to conversation yes. because of a player like Lionel Messi. Look at the players already immediately after signing who are now raising their hands, saying, "Well, I want to go play for Inter Miami because of the Messi factor." There's going to be a domino effect in Europe that happens as well. I mean, players like Anton Griezmann, Paul Pogba. 
Neymar are also mm -hmm. keeping an eye on this. Don't be surprised if some of those players make an earlier jump than expected in their career because of the Messi effect. Mm -hmm. I would love it. I, I think oh. that we, we've actually held ourselves back in some ways to players who want to come over because of these rosters, roster rules. So it, it's time for the next evolution. It's kind of ironic that it is Miami pushing this after the sanctions that they had after, against after they already have five DPs. <laughs> after the sanctions they had of overstepping the DPs. So, uh, but... It's a good. It's good because it de it needs to change. Mm -hmm. It needs to evolve. And this league is a place that players are going to want to play in, especially now. They already want to they play here. Play they here. already People want to live here. in America, so let's change it and let's get more of these players yeah. in the U.S. Uh, stay with us. We've got plenty more to come here on Morning Footy. We're going to be right back after this short break. Don't